Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast edition. This is Claire. And this is Cece. And this is the headline news edition of October 25th, 2020. Ooh. So our first story is that the Justice Department just hit Google with the biggest antitrust case since the 1990s, which is like 30 years ago. Wow. On the 20th, a few days ago, the DOJ accused Google of illegally protecting its monopoly for search engines and search advertising. This case was highly expected due to the current crackdown on big tech. Google has collaborated with Apple along with other partners to shut down their competitors. Around 48 other states have, and jurisdictions have also been investigating Google for the longest time uh, based off their anti-competitive strategies. This whole issue has been very bipartisan with Republicans like Attorney General Barr leading the way. The DOJ says that the Google, who was the shining star of Silicon Valley and started off as a startup from Google, uh, from Stanford actually, no longer shares the same spirit of innovation and free access to the internet. Instead, it has become a monopoly gatekeeper. That was a quote. And now it is one of the most powerful companies in the world. Google, obviously, is the default search engine for the majority. And when I say majority, like 99% of internet users. Including I don't know myself. who uses, like other than like GoDaddy maybe, and a few other like, actually I don't know, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely confident of that. I mean, it has a really big presence in schools too. For example, Chromebooks. Yeah. I'm school has it. Like also access to like Google Drive, right? And all right. our emails always connect to Google Drives. I, I mean, forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, but I forgot that Drive was like associated. And YouTube, another huge real, um, part of Google. I mean, right now, like when we brainstorm and we prepare this podcast, we're using Google Docs. Google Docs is it's so easy to use. Yeah. Honestly, I love the application very much, but like, but it, hearing about this just makes me kind of question everything that they've done. Yeah, it is very concerning, and like. Kind of thinking back to history, right? It this whole situation really reminds me of the Gilded Age and the crackdown on monopolies then, like the first, um, one one of a kind, right? And during the Industrial Revolution, there was a huge boom, which resulted in a select group of companies, like in railroad, oil, steel, that. Mm-hmm. like dominated an entire market and that seems to be the same for a lot of companies like facebook google apple samsung right yeah and back then it was like in the 1900s right with the help of presidents and you know public opinion too there was a unprecedented passage of antitrust laws although to be fair, not all of them always worked. Um, at least they tried. <laughs> at least they, they, they did try. And eventually it got to a point where they were successful in breaking up many monopolies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems to me that this is uh, another parallel. They always say history sometimes repeats itself but in different ways. So let's hope that people will crack down on these big tech companies. Yeah. I mean, it really is concerning to see what these companies are doing. And in relation to that, I watched this documentary called Social Dilemma, and it's on Netflix. And it's about how these big tech companies, such as Instagram, Google, Facebook, 
Pinterest, how they're basically selling your data. Well, not naturally, no. They're not selling your data. They're selling your attention and your behavior to advertisers that pay these companies for your attention. And because of this, they're able to kind of move your behavior, your unconscious behavior, like 1% to, or like towards what these advertisers want you to do. And I think it also talks about how democracy has been destroyed or is being destroyed because of social media and the polarization that social media tends to cause. So yeah, that's like a really brief summary of what Social Dilemma is about. But if you guys do get a chance, if you guys have the time and have the subscription to Netflix, you should definitely go watch it. I think it's a very good watch. Really opens your eyes to what's happening. And another scary part is like the people who are bringing like you've seen the pictures or at least the videos of like um, Mark Zuckerberg and Amazon uh, Jeff Bezos at the he- committee hearings right and it's really frightening to me to see like the senators and the uh, at least the legislators on the committee being so confused about what the heck is going on. They're like, can you explain this part to me? Can you explain this part to me? I'm like, how are you going to pass laws that benefit us if you don't even understand how these things work? Exactly. We should have like maybe younger people conduct these hearings instead. So then they'll actually have a better understanding of everything that's going on, understanding of how to even use these, well, I guess, products, well, these Mm -hmm. platforms. And then they can realize how big of an issue, how big of a detriment, and how big of an impact these companies have on their users. Yes. Otherwise, nothing is going to happen since, well, also because the, like, people's lack of understanding can be easily manipulated. And they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is actually a good thing, not a bad thing. And they're like, oh, okay, then that's fine. Anyway, our next story of the day is that Purdue Pharma settled with 8.3 8.3 billion dollars for the federal courts, but they still face challenges from the states. The infamous maker of the opioid OxyContin, Purdue Pharma, pled guilty to three criminal charges in relation to the opioid crisis going on. They will also be closing down the company. The money will go towards opioid treatment and rehabilitation. Since Purdue doesn't have that cash on hand, the company will break down into a new, quote, public benefit company, end quote, that is designed for the benefit of the public. Its future profits will go to paying fines and penalties. Obviously, they will still be making the drug as well as overdose drugs. The company's plan is to make the rescue drugs and offer them at low cost to hard-hit communities. However, the DOJ also decided to have the Sackler family, which is the former owner of Purdue Pharma, to pay $225 million as penalty. But the family, as well as the current and former executives and owners, still have the possibility of facing criminal charges. Many state attorneys have contested with these deals, stating many reasons. 1. The government should not be involved in selling opioids. 2. The upfront cash needed to fight the crisis will be more readily available if sold to a private buyer. And 3. The settlement is just a facade of justice. The Sacklers should have been put in jail and the fines and penalties have a possibility of not getting paid. Therefore, many states are possibly going to seek out investigations against the Sackler family and other employees 
in the future. Then this has dragged on for the longest of times. The opioid crisis has been about. Yeah. The opioid <laughs> crisis has been around for far too long, and it's surprising, but also not, how um, this thing has dragged on for way for so long already, and it's just being dealt with now. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure like they're making money off of this, like big sums of money off of this. So of course, I'm pretty sure like other people also are like people who aren't even directly involved in the in Purdue Pharma but I'm pretty sure other people have also been making profit off of this which is probably why this issue hasn't been dealt with beforehand right Mm -hmm. and also like how does this happen like I mean coming from a moral standpoint right they really told doctors that it was okay like they really put greed and profit ahead of like the fact that they created a freaking crisis that killed and ruined people's, people's lives. lives. Exactly. Like, how do you go to sleep at night saying, oh, yeah, I'm okay with starting a drug crisis and accident, not even accidentally, like killing people, making them addicted to this drug? I mean, it's insane to me sometimes to think about it. Yeah. And like, like you said, right? I Personally, for me, I really don't think the Sackler family will lose much. Right, it's two hundred twenty-five million dollars. They're not going to jail, made. right? And I guarantee you, they have invested money into other ventures as well. They're gonna be able to continue living their life as they wish, right? As long as they have the money, there's really no long-term consequential effect to them, right? Exactly, and I'm sure two hundred twenty-five million dollars is only a fraction of what they've made mm-hmm. since, like, the start of Purdue Pharma. Yeah. So I. I am really looking forward to the states pursuing these investigations and charging them. Put them in jail. Anyways, moving on. Um, so uh, if you guys haven't noticed, this theme, this theme seems to be the Department of Justice because um, our next story is about a hearing for a rape claim defamation case against Trump that fell through because of the DOJ. So Jean Eugene Crowell, a woman who has accused President Trump of raping her in the 90s in a Manhattan department store, has filed against Trump for uh, defamation. So basically, Trump retorted back that she was lying and also that she had falsely accused other men and did all this lying in order to advance her book and for like political reasons as well. The DOJ were originally going to argue in court um, because right now it's a state case, right? Mm-hmm. So the D- Department of Justice was trying to argue in court that this should be a federal case and so that the United States can be the defendant. Yeah. Right? But due to coronavirus restrictions, one of the lawyers were prohibited from entering the courtroom. So therefore, the DOJ's apart- uh, argument will lay solely on the written findings. And so that means that um, the judge will base the case um, with, you know, Gene Crowell versus the Department of Justice and base it only on the written findings because the um, judge has refused to, or has not asked any questions to Gene Crowell. Yeah. This one's a, a more nuanced yeah subject i mean not really nuanced she was raped um and she was also 
defamed by President Trump saying horrendous things and not believing her. And also other people not believing her. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember the whole Kavanaugh thing? Oh my she God. received many death threats and she had to move many places because of, of that hearing. Yeah, right. I mean, do people really think these, like, people come out and are like, hey, this person raped me. You really think they came out for attention? That's such a serious topic to discuss and serious topic that no one should ever go through. Why would they be lying about it? Like, if you said someone stabbed you, would you be like, oh, did Sorry. they? I didn't. Sorry. Oh, like, are you sure? Were you doing something? What? You got stabbed. Why? <laughs> what is wrong with people? People question rape all the time. Like, rape accusations, rape cases all the time. And men, most of the time, these cases fall through. Mm-hmm. And nothing happens. And what happens is that the offenders get to walk free. Like that block turn type. Three months, really? And then the victim's life is basically ruined forever because people don't believe the person. People think that they're lying, plus, like, they've lost the freaking case. Like, what are they going to do? They don't get the justice that they deserve. Do you think people are actually lying about being raped? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And also other things, like, I remember people like, oh, you're ruining, like, this person's life if you send this... Did she deserve did, it? Well, they, did they not ruin the other person's life? I know. They deserve, they deserve it well and fair. I have so much to say about this, but you know what? Once again, a subject for another time. Yes. And before we leave you today, we have... But before we leave you guys today, we still have to do our Sunday snippet into the past. So on October 25th, 1929, during the Teapot Dome scandal... Albert B. Fall, who served as Secretary of the Interior and President Warren G. Harding's cabinet, is found guilty of accepting a bribe while in office. Fall was the first individual to be convicted of a crime committed while being a presidential cabinet member. I don't even miss in English. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. something about oil, I think? Yeah, yeah it was yeah, oil yeah. in Alaska. Oil somewhere. Yeah, it said that I think Fall accepted a $100,000 interest-free, quote, loan from Everett Dominey of the Pan American Petroleum and Transport Company. So, like, that's that's the bribe. So, yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening. And that's all that we have for you today. Have a good Sunday.